are never saturated with a good product, but is quickly saturated with a bad one. With that as the theme, uh, welcome to our Zoom web series hosted by One Tree Hill and PMS Cart on the juggernauts, uh, which are conversations with uncommon and curious fund managers. Hi everyone, my name is Jai, and I have with me today Deepak Shinoy, founder at Capital Mind and Wise Market Analytics. Uh, welcome Deepak to our show. Thanks Jai, it's great to be here. Excellent. Uh, you know, one of the things that we sort of, you know, like to get started with is what we call the machine gun 15. Uh, just to, you know, sort of get our creative juices flowing a bit. And, uh, you know, it's something that will hopefully, you'll have as much fun as we do during this section. Sure, absolutely. Perfect. Uh, are you ready? Yes, I am. So, by the way. Will India see a ratings downgrade anytime soon? Possibly, but I don't know. It depends largely on whether what uh, happens to the fiscal deficit. Uh, largely, I think it will be ignored uh, uh, to whatever extent it can. I don't believe uh, we should have a ratings downgrade, but ratings agencies typically don't uh, know right from wrong. So sure. I don't <laughs> blame them. Okay. Uh, why are the markets going up right now? You know, we've recovered close to... 25% from the lows. Uh, any reason that you would attribute? I know the, I mean, the reasons I, we wrote about it in the post as well. The answer is one word, liquidity. You've okay. seen this work in the past. When you flood markets with money, it will make its way to asset classes, uh, like investing asset classes in this case. Uh, when money is flooding around all over the globe, uh, the US markets have recovered more than 50% of their Yes, liquidity is a steroid. It's more like a hallucinogenic drug. If you if you if you watch uh, a lot of if you read about the whole drug trade and all that stuff, the idea isn't that a drug always keeps you high. There highs and there lows, and you know every day is different. And that's exactly what you're getting. The market's getting a drug right now, and that drug will cause it to go up like crazy without explanation, and again down like crazy without explanation. Fair enough. Uh, would you prefer diversification or concentration in equities? Right now, diversification. Absolutely. Not just equities, asset classes, geographies, uh, uh, debt, equity, some uh, gold as well if you're a short-term player, uh, but not Bitcoin. I don't like that asset class at all. I, okay. uh, much of the others, I feel, uh, you know, you require diversification. You can diversify. Okay, and you know, sort of talking about that, what 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 we've seen in the with happening in the in in the AMC, which has been in the news, uh, is it a good thing, bad thing, or an ugly thing going forward for the markets? It's ugly for markets in general because what this has resulted in, this had been a problem with, is the freezing of the junk bond markets, if you may. So sure. anything that's not pristine debt is getting no attention at all, even if. Some of the debt will be paid back um, uh, appropriately. People are unwilling to take risks. The U.S. has addressed this in a very different way. The Fed is going and buying uh, Absolutely. And even if it's junk bonds, they're buying it. The cause of perhaps the downfall of this mutual funds debt portfolios has uh, an impact on the market in that we know that uh, bad debt is not getting financed, but in the process, good debt may also not get uh, how would you rate this, uh, the research on the street uh, right now from a scale of 1 to 10? I feel uh, much of the research uh, that happens tends to happen in a concentrated few set of companies. 
um, largely uh, there is a certain i mean there are people who come with extreme opinions of course at all sure. when some of those extreme opinions become right and then you follow their next opinion which could be uh, even more extreme or as extreme and that kind of turns out to be wrong so uh, usually you know you have a lot of one hit ponies in research so you get people who got it right once and then they don't get it right for a really long time afterwards uh, perhaps like you know taleb for instance he gets it right maybe once in 10 or 15 years and even he hardly ever makes money from his own predictions uh, so it's almost like you know you you go back to he is definitely selling his books he is definitely selling well, i mean he is that's what the objective is i don't know what that, that is but it's good because i think what happens is you get a bunch of opinions on the market you sure. got filter them out as a manager that's a way different way to look at things but uh which balance sheet do you think is more stretched right now the government the corporate or the individual so um the government perhaps is second i mean so all of them are not very stressed to be honest right now you know okay. the government we think the government is stressed but it isn't uh, in any meaningful way we just pay very high interest cost okay so in comparison if you take our interest cost to much lower our government balance sheet will be substantially better Sure. Uh, we actually have a lot of levers that we haven't used. We've talked about in our own uh, in Capital Mind itself. We've talked about how 400,000 crores is extra with the RBI just this year. Apart from having 10 lakh crores of additional buffers, which is perhaps the highest amount of money a large central bank has across the world in terms of sure. the capital that it owns, in terms of uh, uh, the the total balance sheet size. So uh, 10 lakh crores is what they will have after paying another 4 lakh crores as dividend if they paid 4 lakh crores as dividend. And 4 lakh crores as dividend is more or less enough to meet with a stimulus package. Uh, have a deficit. Everybody has a deficit now. That's fine. But right. corporate balance sheets actually come to substantial amounts of reduction. Uh, you know, they've substantially reduced their debt levels. So debt levels at the industrial uh, uh, borrowing. from banks is roughly at the levels we've seen in 2015 so we're at 5 years of nothingness in terms of debt growth credit growth to industry uh, retail growth has been quite strong but then retail has just started to come into the market we're relatively small like 20% 25% of gdp at the max compared to say 75 80% of gdp um, in the west so we're relatively small so there the stress does not show quite uh, much so both of these cases i don't think stress the non banking financial system the financial system itself that is stress. india is total money supply is 75% of gdp uh, china is 400% of gdp so effectively stress can come when you are stretched beyond a certain point conservative nature of uh, india helps us on the downside but if we don't get aggressive now we will not get help in the upside Right, 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 right. Uh, would you would you fashion yourself as an optimist, pessimist, or a realist? I think if you're in the markets, you have to be an optimist because otherwise you wouldn't be in the markets. You would, uh, uh, you would. I mean, you, there are people, of course, who are pessimists and who make money, who go short, short. make lots of money. Uh, but you can't do that meaningfully with uh, customer money. Right? You only do that with your own, you know, very. So you. 
there is that part of uh, people should be, I think, pragmatic, not just optimistic. You know, on on sort of uh, you know staying on you, uh, you know, what is one aspect that uh, most people don't know about you? Well, I'm a techie with no, um, well, currently no background in finance. I'm actually doing an MBA now. Uh, okay. Which is uh, uh, apparently a mean one. But, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, our regulators have set up weird rules saying you have to have a qualification. Although, uh, even if you know more, uh, it doesn't matter. So, sure. I'll get a degree. But, the point is also I'm a technology guy. I write code once in a while. I like to code. I, I follow a lot of the tech uh, world quite uh, eager. Okay. So, okay. Fair enough. Most of my stuff is life is on Twitter. I, sure. <laughs> okay. So I think we're towards the end of this. Uh, you know, you obviously have a lot of experience now uh, in the markets. You know, what has been that one thing that investors keep getting wrong uh, over time or one misconception that investors have of the markets? I think people believe that the markets are linked to the economy. Okay. Uh, short term, long term, however. Um, people believe that if the economy is doing well, the market should be doing well. If the economy is doing badly, the market should be doing badly. And sometimes synchronously. Sure. So, that is not true and has never been true and uh, perhaps to the most uh, um, we, we underappreciate the role of two things liquidity and luck we think people who have got it right must be geniuses that is usually not the correct answer um, that everybody gets it wrong every once in a while india does not have those dramatic failures that we've seen abroad but at least if you study the West, you study history, you'll find that a lot of people who are considered great uh, come on magazine covers when eventually John. see themselves uh, dead. And we've seen that in industry. We've seen the Jet Airways, the Kingfisher, the, the uh, bunch of other you know companies who had you know fabulous prospects and gone down the drain. Um, we then therefore we underappreciate the role of luck. We overappreciate. We underappreciate the role of liquidity. We, are, we don't understand what it means. For instance, we think that a stock is going up sometimes because it has great fundamentals, but not knowing that underlying this, the promoters own say 75% of the stock, mutual funds own 20%. Uh, people have cornered most of the remaining free float. So this relatively low supply and higher demand leads to the stock going up and it keeps going up and up and up and at some point when those people who have cornered the shares decide to sell the stock goes down and down and down in the face of uh, good fundamentals otherwise people you know swing between extremes everybody wants to find the bottom they don't want to buy stocks which are making highs they feel oh i'll take the range of the stock and i'll buy near the lows so yeah. i want to buy a stock near the lows it's always uh, fascinating to me that when the same stocks make new highs, people will jump in and buy it regardless of being near the lows and all that stuff because uh, they think, oh, my friend has said this is going to be a great story. So it's very really interesting because these philosophies don't aren't retail investors. I'm talking fund managers do this. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, people, because we're all people at the end. The same behavioral challenges exist and we have another challenge. We have to beat our fellow fund managers. 
he can't have bought Abbott and I have, I don't have Abbott and Abbott is up 20% on Mirkum Chinua. So, yeah, so I don't know. So it's a lot about herd mentality, about behavior that drives uh, markets, no matter which, let's say 2000, 2008, 2014, sure. 2018 to 2020 now, uh, it's the herd behavior is roughly the same. Great. Uh, thank you for your candid answers and you know, I think your coffee with current hamper should reach you as soon as this uh, uh, lockdown ends. Uh, so, you know, talking on the lockdown, where do you see the lockdown going, especially in you know, respect to sort of metro cities, the tier two cities, the tier three cities? Because clearly, uh, it seems to be that it's not going to be uniform and it's going, going to be more, more, a lot more, you know, waxing and waning from the looks of it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what's happened so far, um, I mean, I'm not an expert on the coronavirus. I'm not an expert on uh, figuring out... Everyone is, Deepak. Everyone is. <laughs> yes, I, I take advice from everybody. This incoming <laughs> advice. No, but here's the interesting thing. Lockdowns are two uh, mechanisms. We have to understand this carefully because uh, it is not only about the coronavirus spread, whatever. whatever. It is also is lust for power and a fear of being blamed for something going wrong. Lust for power comes in the fact that they can determine whether a business succeeds or not. Why are liquor sales not allowed? There is no problem in people having liquor in their own houses and carrying it on. Food is allowed. You could have liquor delivered, you could have anything like that. But no, they're not allowing it. It's the political lust for power because liquor is power. And sure. therefore, there is, was one set of politicians who don't want this power to be transferred or be available to states uh, and to local politicians who can therefore, uh, uh, you know, so there will be a lot more, uh, there will be business, state food business uh, income because of lack of taxes, because no alcohol is being sold. That's also a way to wield power over a state. So this is, uh, it's a political thing. None of this will come back because of rationality. It will be, it'll have to come back because of political reasons. There will be deals and threats uh, on both sides, and that's how the lockdown will end. You know? So over time, it is going to be the threat of the riots, uh, threat of uh, people splintering away part, from parties, the carrot of if we do this, can you do that for us? That is how I think a lot of the lockdown uh, politics will emerge. You run a few PMSs at, at, at Wise Market. And, uh, you know, one of the interesting that things that came up, and I feel you're trying to sort of, you know, reinvent the wheel by sort of running a, a, a PMS scheme which sort of invests in ETFs and indices, right? Um, how does that make sense in a market like this? You know, um, to a large extent, Jay, I think the fund management game has been considered to be the only thing PMSs do. Uh, PMS is actually a personalized advisory plus management service. We are supposed to be people who say we have a fiduciary responsibility to the customer, which means I know you. And therefore, I'm taking risk according to your profile. Right? A mutual fund, on the other hand, does not know you. He doesn't care. If you're giving him money, he's going to put it in equity no matter what. If you say, give me a credit risk fund, you'll give him a credit risk fund. You can't stop him from buying it. It's not the mutual fund's job to figure out whether you are capable of taking credit risk or not. Uh, it is somebody else's job. 
a PMS straddles the advisory and uh, uh, you know uh, uh, fund management frameworks. It was always designed that way. SEBI has PMS license, which gives you both advisory and uh, uh, fund management capabilities, and actually requires you to be a fiduciary. So, given that, you cannot absolve yourself of the of the according to me at least, you can't absolve yourself of the notion that you know you need to customize this to the customer's requirements. And to a certain extent, we've done our research and we said, okay, there are people for whom active management makes sense. It's largely a little more risky. It does tend to see higher returns at certain points, hopefully if you're good. But um, we've seen that for the most part, a passive index-oriented strategy uh, is a very core strategy to a lot of customers uh, who at least come in to you and give you a larger share of their wallet. So uh, for a person who gives you maybe 5% of his network, which is what most PMSs go after, they say you have 10 crores, you have 50 dollars. You have uh, you know, 20 crores, you have 1 crore. Um, for, for those kind of people saying, you know, justifying that we go hard into equity to be more aggressive is, is easier. But when we go to people, you know, largely they give us a larger share of the money, 40 to 50%. So I actually have to balance out the fact that they need less risk. So we actually put some of the money into debt, fixed income, to balance out the risks. We also analyze how much of equity exposure they want, what kind of person they are. So to a certain extent, we feel here that doing an index strategy, 66% India, 34% US, through index ETFs, at a very, very low price, we charge 0.25% for it, and the ETFs themselves have a relatively low price. So the reason why we, I mean, why, why it is low is because it requires very little effort from our end, but we also uh, buy on a consistent basis. We tell people you can actually add more money whenever you like. Uh, that's a very interesting take. And obviously, you know, as you mentioned, those uh, diversified dollar strategies act as a as a natural hedge as well. But, you know, we've seen that, uh, you know, over five years, three to five years, especially in the, in the Indian context, you know, everyone who's been doing uh, maybe index or SIPs or STPs or SWPs that, you know, been selling, uh, are, are sort of, you know, uh, not very happy, right? Or is this just an unlucky roll of, you know, five years or three years? Or is there something more to this? Yeah, I think firstly, we do have this problem of an ending point bias, right? So is this level going to remain forever? Now, we, at 7,500 to 8,000 levels, we were at about 16 times uh, trailing uh, PE of the Nifty. And uh, most of the PE numbers in the public domain are wrong because they don't consider the fact that uh, things are consolidated. So you need to get consolidated numbers. The ones that we see often are the standalone numbers and the consolidated numbers are much better. Uh, so therefore, I think, uh, you know, we've reached a point where we've got, now we're at about 18 on the, on the index. And uh, uh, we're seeing that the numbers in the Jan, Feb, March quarter aren't so bad yet. Some bags are maybe bad, but roughly the lockdown only seven or eight days of uh, March. So most of the revenues have been captured. So trailing, trailing 12 month numbers will actually get better uh, in the coming days because it's trailing. Of course, we haven't accounted for June and uh, June quarter will be announcing. But the fact is that uh, uh, where we are right now is possibly relatively low compared to where we might be in three or four years from now. 
at any time when five-year returns have come to a negative depth, if you've invested in the past, sure. you're actually going to make a 25 to 30% return over the next one of you. The classes that you own personally might help also real estate, for instance, but real estate is, according to me, not a great asset class to own as an investment right now. The commercial is, uh, we'll see after this crisis gets over whether the commercial goes up or not, but it sure. may give you opportunities. So, you know, whatever happens, people are still going to need offices. So at some point, we'll see that uh, uh, uptick happen on commercial. Well, just looking at equity over 10 years is kind of not so great. So, you look at your allocation and then say, you say equity is down today, but my fixed income is giving me great returns. Uh, maybe I can switch it around a little bit, put more, take out money from some of the fixed income, put it into equities because sure. this is the time when you kind of rebalance. And uh, then the next 10 years might show you that equity does better. Just throwing a number here. But uh, I'm just saying that that may be a better strategy instead of uh, saying don't be in equity at all. Next question is is something where I, uh, you know, or, or, or you know, it's it's something that is a is a great sell per se. And you know, when I started back in 2004, uh, you know, I lost close to you know six seven months of my salary on a you know on a really bad leverage commodity play, and uh, I had no clue what hit me. Right? Uh, have you gone through something where you know you've given a significant uh, tuition fee of sorts, and uh, you know what have been your learnings from that? You don't uh, get into this market unless you paid this tuition. So nobody can teach you this stuff. When you were a kid, if your parents told you, uh, don't touch that, it's hot. There's one time when you always touch it. Sure. And it's one time. Okay? After that, you know it's hot and you're not doing it. But just somebody telling you that it's hot, don't touch it, doesn't mean that you will not do it. You'll do it. You will everybody does this in the markets i bought in february 2000 i bought tech stocks and i bought a tech mutual fund ipo sure. because i was like and i was there i was i was i was i was in it i bought this ipo for 10 rupees in six months it was two rupees sure. it was uh, possibly the early levels of my savings and you know so my income was enough to support the fact that I made that much. But because when you're in the early stages, you'll put like 5% or 10% of your income. And if you lose 80% of it, you lost 8% of your income. So, you know, roughly that is the way you look at things at that time. But you got these lessons and it hurts because it doesn't hurt because of the money alone. It hurts because you think you're smart. Absolutely. It hurts because you analyze and then this happens. How are we not? Uh, I mean, I am supposed to be this uh, engineer and I've done all this work and I can code and, and I can't really buy stocks. Come on, it seems like the simplest thing in the world. But really, it is not. And you, uh, we have to admit that we are not super intelligent human beings. We can get things right even 50% of the time. Sure. Uh, if you if you get that, and it takes a lot of being wrong to be able to get that. But maybe the correct strategy is, so I'll get a little bit, what's wrong with that? But the minute this cycle starts to turn, I'm out of here. Because I see this as a fad, and it's going to happen over a certain period. Whereas, 
I don't think it's a complete fair to buy a certain other segment of the market, say auto. I don't think at this point it's so risky. So I might give that a little more leeway. So it's going to be nuanced in all of this. So you assume that at any point data, so I've, I've had this experience, right? So in 2006, when I don't know if uh, many people may not remember this, but there was a 30% drop in two months. From April, there was a Reliance Petroleum IPO. After that, liquidity just vanished from the markets. Three months, we saw a 30% drop. Then the market picked up again. Uh, during this time, I was like, the markets are going to go up, the markets are going to go up, and I was buying all through this, you know. And then by the time it reached 30%, I said, yeah, there's no way this market is dead. It's going back to the 2002 levels. So we had just come out of the 2002 levels, before levels, right? So I was like, and I got off. So then I suddenly saw the market was, you know, slapping me in the face and going back up. So it took me till 2000, maybe uh, it, 2007 February is when the next mini fall was. It's about 10, 15 percent. Then I said, Boston, now I'm, I'm, I was stupid last time. Let me get in. I get in because I made a massive amount of return in the next one year because uh, things moved like crazy. Sure. And at that time, I was I was very aware that I was new, relatively new in the markets. And therefore, um, uh, I was seeing a phenomenon that perhaps hadn't been seen before other than the 1990s, early 90s, and maybe in 99 uh, type of uh, time frame. But uh, we are, it has been a long time since people had seen a, a, a fly in your face kind of value. And that was what 2007 was. Sure. Uh, nobody remembers this, but there was a market circuit, down circuit in October 2007. You see the chart, it keeps looking up. But one day there was a market circuit down. And uh, that was because of some FII, something, something. With SEBI, and then SEBI came and clarified, and then the circuit breaker broke, and we came back to close that day. Um, higher. So, um, when you know seeing markets move like this, um, at some point, I think November, I wrote, a, I was watching US markets. At that time, nobody was watching US markets. I was writing that this whole thing is going to collapse like a bunch of cards, uh, in my opinion. And that time, I was, you know, I, I wasn't very strongly wedded to it, but I felt that it's useful to take some kind of protection. So, at a personal level, I bought protection for my portfolios and uh, uh, for two or three months, nothing happened. The market kept going up. There was an IPO, uh, Reliance Power IPO, I think, and Edelweiss IPO, both at the same time. And after that, the market crashed uh, 25%. It sounds very nice, but to have been right at that time, I got it nothing. But uh, at the same time, the, within another two months, the market was had covered up 50% of its loss. So roughly where you are today, right? You're thinking like, oh, the market's back, everything's fine, it's fallen back. And remembering 2006, that was just two years ago, you're seeing where you're thinking maybe that's what's going to happen. And then the market slid more. So we were, I was watching because we were looking at best or best on had just gone down. Sure. And then um, uh, looking at the tension in the US market, I was very circumspect. Uh, we had built intraday shorting systems and longing long systems at that time. We're doing this as a fund uh, for with our own money. Uh, so we were uh, very happy because at the end of every day, I was no position. It's going to short and long, and you're done. You know? So I was very happy with that. It was kind of semi-algorithmic in a way. And 
towards the end of 2008, this was about September. You know, so by this time, the market fell from 6,000 to 4,800, went back up to 5,000. Uh, all the way back to 4,000. And then this person, I won't name, but this person I know came and told me, you don't believe in India or <laughs> Because she was watching every day, we would be long, we would be short, and you would get out again. No position. Right. And they were we were working in the same trading place, you know, so in Bombay. Uh, so you know, said so you're not patriotic. I said, me? Why? What do you mean? I mean, you're you're like every day going short also, and we were mostly more going short than long because the systems were naturally short, right? Because right. We would end up being short most of the time. And when everybody was unhappy, we'd be quietly happy and take our money. And play, you know? So when she said, uh, you're not patriotic, I said, uh, what do you mean you're not patriotic? No, 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 no. see, India's story, we have fallen from 6,000 to 4,000, 33% drop. Uh, to so then I sat and thought about this. And she said, you know, you should believe in the future of India. And I was, I, was, I, I realized that this is probably, you know, um, my systems are telling me otherwise. Uh, my data analysis is telling me otherwise. Lehman was going through a crisis. It was not down yet. So I was thinking, what uh, do I do? Okay, US bears ko to Lehman ko bhi Nothing will happen, good will happen. Let me just go by. I leveraged myself went long. Wow. And I saw this market go to 2200. Sure. In the next one month, the whole year, I have been disciplined, stuck to my system, did not make discretionary calls, went only with the system. And that one time, I decided to do it. I did it in size. I leveraged myself. And I watched as I reached a point where my margins just couldn't take it. So I had to close a lot of positions. I got out of everything. Sure. So I didn't ride the bag way back up until a long time later, until the market recovered after the big win in the elections in 2009. Uh, Only after that, I started putting money back into learning sure. this process taught me something that when uh, through this process, I saw people who were very smart buy stocks. And I was like, why are you buying, man? The market just given you, shown you 60% down. He's like, huh, I am I'm willing to take that bet. And I realized something that even at 4,000, if you didn't leverage yourself and you bought, let it go to 2,200. Today, you'd still be a significantly higher number than that in a lot of stocks. I'm not talking the index. The index is probably just about 3x from that, right? But uh, in a lot of stocks, will be 10x, 15x from that. A lot of stuff are available cheaply. I think a good number of pickings from there, Deepak, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, we almost reached the end of this uh, of this conversation, and uh, you know what I would like to end it on is to get your very specific answer on a question. Is that you know you obviously have a mix of of quad, discretionary, passive, semi-passive, etc. Uh, strategies that you run. Uh, what is one factor that is sort of, you know, you want to leave our audience with that, you know, you want saying that, look, this is going to last for a really long period of time. And if you stick to something like this, there's a good chance you will uh, land up making money. So, you know, here's my theory. 
and every this is uh, we put this into practice as well. We have an actively managed strategy which is uh, we select top 40, 50. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many number, but we actually currently have about 35 stocks, and we continue to maintain that. We have uh, index strategy, uh, which buys the top 100 in India, top 100 in US kind of stocks. We have a, a momentum strategy. The momentum strategy simply buys uh, stocks which are going up because the thing is, if they go up, they will continue to go up. We've backtested this across many years. We've run this on our own portfolios. We've had uh, advisory portfolios since 2014 running this. Our returns have been quite uh, dramatic. Sure. So all of them gives you only one thing. We're investing in growth. Uh, we're investing in uh, index. We're investing in momentum. All of them actually have the factors of momentum strongly. There's momentum in earnings, momentum in stock prices, momentum in market cap. These are the three things that, that matter. So the factor I think we should take across everything, and we, we use this very actively. We build a practice of saying, buy stocks that are actually showing you good prices. Buy stocks at high is not at low. Even when you're buying them for growth. Indexes, anyway you're buying for the top ranked stocks in the country by nature. You're not making that decision, but that's how it works. So the momentum factor is very important. And okay. the loss of momentum is a big indicator of whether a stock will continue to do well or not. So if you're looking at stocks or bottom picking stocks, mm. instead of buying them at the bottom, buy, them, buy when they start to move up. Sure. So buy, instead of saying, I will buy it at the lows, or it's, oh, it's 25% off its lows, I don't want to buy it. Oh, it's 25% off its lows, I want to buy it. Sure. Because I, I think that stock, if it's fundamentally good and the price is moving up, this is the right to buy, you have to be. You have to understand that markets like us, like winners. Thank you so much for your time, Deepak. Uh, I think it's uh, I personally uh, learned quite a bit from uh, you know this conversation, and hopefully uh, you had fun as well. Uh, you know, here's wishing you a, a fantastic 2020, uh, investing, health, safety, etc. And hopefully, uh, India comes back on track soon. Is there anything else you would uh, like to add, Deepak? Also, please, everybody stay safe. This is a time to, um, um, you know, uh, everybody get some time with their families. I hope you cherish it. I hope um, um, everybody emerges out of this crisis stronger. And wherever possible, help the poor, the needy, and uh, who don't have the privilege we do. At the same time, I think all of us would also be safe uh, and not have to uh, go to hospital or do anything of that sort. Thanks, Jay, for this opportunity as well, and all the best to you. Perfect. Thanks again so much, Deepak, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up soon again. Absolutely, absolutely.